0: to another Tudor cameo episode. These very short episodes will be slotted in between the normal ones, and will cover those characters who made a fleeting yet tantalizing appearance in other episodes. We don't always have a lot of information about them, so they can't have a full episode of their own, but they are too interesting to abandon completely. And they help fill in the gaps that and enable us to create as full a picture of the era as we can. And today, Adriano Castellesi. It's fun to
1: say. <laughs> it is. Italian things always are. We met Castellese in Pope Alexander Sixth episode. Yes. He was the one who threw that fateful dinner party. Yes, he killed them and poisoned them. <laughs> yes. And I think we came across him in Polydor Virgil's episode yes, too. Yes, we did. He was born in 1461 to what was described as a modest... An almost servile family. It's a bit damning, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) He started a career in papal bureaucracy, and I should imagine that it doesn't come any more bureaucratic than papal bureaucracy, would it? In 1488, he was sent to Scotland by Pope Innocent VIII to mediate in the Scottish Civil War. James III died at the Battle of Sockyburn, so Castellay's mediation was no longer required since you can't mediate between one person. (laughs) (laughs) Seance. I did notice, apropos of nothing, that James III had three children, two of which were called James. usually you get Hmm. that if one dies very young, but one was the next king and the other one was archbishop. So I know they made them archbishop very young because it was lucrative, but not that young.
0: Two James that survived.
1: Hmm. Hmm. On his way back to Rome, Castellese met Henry the Seventh, who made him papal collector for England. Which seemed odd, I assumed that the Pope would do that, but the Pope just confirmed it. Hmm. So we're into Alexander Sixth now. But I suppose the Pope doesn't really have time to interview every position in his entire no. <laughs> jurisdiction, so he probably assumed that people would let him know who they want, and then he'd vet them and decide. Possibly. Because they didn't always get what they wanted, or the Pope didn't always get what he wanted, did he? Because Elizabeth of York
0: wanted, wanted. her yes.
1: confessor, didn't he? And the Pope said, oh, no, I've got someone else. And, and she, she said, said no, I've got this one. I've already done it. <laughs> yeah. The paper collector was the, pa- was the collector of papal income tax. That was, and this was levied ostensibly to fight the Ottoman Turks. Ooh. But there was money to be made all along the line and Castellese was no exception and he became very wealthy. I think it'd be interesting to do a, a special episode on all the things that were said to be done <laughs> against <laughs> the Ottoman Turks which, which really have an ul- ulterior motive. Well, we may. We may
0: on a Patreon <laughs> episode be doing Sultan Mehmed the Second
1: of yes. the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. Well, early days, but they might do. Yep, if they choose him, we'll be doing him. <laughs> In 1492, Henry VII granted Castellese the prebend of Old Land in St Paul's Cathedral, what is which was that? another nice little earner. It is some... I, I looked it up, but all I could get it was sort of one of these things that seemed to go around in circles. The prebend had the prebendary, and the prebendary was run by the prebend. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I spent quite some time doing that before I thought... It probably doesn't matter. All that matters is that it's, he was making quite a bit of money out of it. Okay. If anybody listening is Catholic, yeah. please let us know, because I've never heard mm. of that. Well, you get a prebendary manor, which would be um, old land, and you can get the rents from the prebendary manor. Okay. It's another of these nice little sinecures, I think. Hmm. So that was a nice little owner, as was St. Dunstan, Dunstan, Ooh. in the east, which was given to him by Cardinal Morton. So oh, yeah. there's a lot of money to be yeah. made by these ecclesiastical gravy trains. Isn't there? Yes, there is. And from different countries, too. Mm. Yes. He's not an English. No. Hasn't we, but, um, he was granted English denizen, as Edward Brampton had been, in that same year, in 1492.
0: Do we know what rights they get as a denizen? I don't know, actually. Okay. It's got to be less than being a
1: citizen. Yes. Mm. I'll look that up and put it as one of the <laughs> Tudor treats on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then he became the clerk of the papal treasury, as well as that of the bishopric of Hereford. He's got his finger in a lot of pies. 1504, Castellese was appointed to the diocese of Bath and Wells, although he never actually lived there. You wonder what they, how they justified this to themselves, no, really. No idea. I'm just gonna I mean, there's still a, a bishop of Bath and Wells, and he yeah. lives. In Wells, I think. Well there's the Bishop's Palace in Wells, I guess he lives in Wells. They do they actually do the job now. They yes. just pocket the money. Yeah. Pope Alexander made him nuncio with powers to reform the clergy. Which made me wonder why would he want to reform the clergy when he's doing so well out of it?
0: <laughs> Did he do anything to reform the clergy? Probably not. Or he just got rid of a few clergy and just took the money for himself and didn't do those jobs either. <laughs> I mean
1: when when you see all this, you can see why there was such a revolt against mm-hmm. it. In March 1498, Castellese tried to buy a cardinalship for 20,000 ducats, which is quite a substantial yes, sum. It is. But he was unsuccessful. I, I don't know if you get the money back if you're unsuccessful. I, I very I much don't doubt think it. So. <laughs> but luckily, he was very close to Pope Alexander, who gave him one anyway. Oh. Or possibly sold him one. So I'm not going to give you that for this 20,000 20, ducats, but I might give you that for this other amount of money you're going to give me. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that, w- that worked. Castellese was still collector, paper collector, and you think, when did you find the time? But I suppose if he never actually did any of these other jobs. Yes. <laughs> and his deputy was Polydor Virgil. 6th of August, 1503, Castellese, back in Rome, through a dinner party... <laughs> probably, probably wished it hadn't. <laughs> Several of the guests were taken ill, as was Castellese himself. And as we heard, Alexander didn't make it. And I don't know what it was that affected them, whether it was deliberate poisoning or accidental food poisoning. But whatever it was, it had a horrible effect. Because we heard in the Pope's episode that Cesare was dunked in a bath. And when he came out, all the skin off his was peeled off his back. But didn't we think that that might have been due to
0: syphilis? Now <laughs> well, that we're having been, but... that into every episode. <laughs>
1: But Castellese had the same thing. Oh. Okay, so what kind of
0: illness causes blistering? Because blistering would soften the skin. Yeah,
1: well, I was wondering, if any of our listeners are expert on poisons, and, you know, we won't ask why you're expert on poisoning, (laughs) but what would have that effect? So if anybody knows, let us know. Yeah. Mm, Gruesome.
0: Did Castellese survive?
1: Yes. Yes, perhaps he didn't need his skin. I don't know. He must have grown another one. (laughs) There was one person who was probably hoping that Castellesi didn't survive, though, and that was a character called Silvestro Gigli. Gigli. I I sometimes, when I've written this out, I let the voice, you know, the computer voice, read it back to me. Yeah. And she she kept calling him Silvestro (laughs) Gigli. So I think it was (laughs) Silvestro Gigli now. (laughs) Initially they were working together getting the Pope to confirm the treaty between England and Scotland, but they soon fell out. Castellese claimed to be the sole representative of, of Henry the Seventh in Rome, ignoring the fact that he and Jiggly Gigli Gigli, Gigli
0: <laughs> <laughs> now we're Jiggly Giggly, Jiggly
1: <laughs> were meant to be doing the job jointly. And Castellese's close link with Alexander made him automatically suspect yes. with Pope Julius. Yes. It doesn't, I mean, it's it's lucrative to get close to somebody, but... dangerous at the gone, same time. Yes. Especially with popes, they don't live long. They're usually no. elected in late in life. Mm. Uh, he was still able to do his job. I Presumably that's the papal collector. Mm-hmm. He had a luxurious palace that he built near the Vatican, which was where that fateful dinner party was held. And he put this at the disposal of Henry for use by his ambassadors, now I wonder why he did that. I wondered if he could have thought I might lose this under Julius, but if I hand it over to Henry for his use, then it I it. might get it back again yeah. later <laughs> Or get something else in return. Hmm. Well, it's quite a wise thing to do. He did various other things. What else did he do? He oh yes, of course. <laughs> he presented Margaret Beaufort's request for a dispensation, making John Fisher her confessor. <laughs> <laughs> He was also responsible for pushing to have the papal dispensation for the marriage between Prince Henry and Catherine of Aragon. But when that finally came through, all the glory went to Giggly, which must have stung.
0: <laughs> I'm Giggly, stick with giggly again. now.
1: I like Giggly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On a trip to Bologna, he wrote two books, the more famous being one that extolled the precedence of scripture over human reasoning. Oh. I'm not going to read that one. I didn't like the sound of that. <laughs> I quite like human reasoning. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. In september fifteen oh seven Castellese fled Rome and went to Venice. Why? Yeah. Well it seems that Henry the Seventh daubed him right in it and told Pope Julius of Castellese's criticism of the papal <gasps> court and the Pope oh, himself.
0: Oh. Oops. Why would Henry
1: have done that? I don't know whether it was I mean that's the trouble. Again, we've got this little snippets of information but nothing to join them up yes i don't know whether he did it deliberately whether he said oh you should hear what Castle has been saying about you and then thought oh i shouldn't have said that <laughs> i'm not sure that's one of those emails that you're like oh, take it back take yes. it back take I it back it it's already yes. in france darn it <laughs> unless he didn't mean it to go to Pope julius possibly that not happens as well and certainly quite a lot of letters went to Henry the Seventh that weren't intended for him. Yes. Which were quite handy for him. Uh, Henry then did put in a good word for him with the Pope, but surely it was too little too late by yes, then. Though. I would think so. Yes, which makes it sound as if it was an accident. He didn't expect it to reach the Pope. Mm. But despite Julius's assurance that Castellese had nothing to fear from him, Castellese found that the money coming from the papal collector job dried up. And Polydor <laughs> Virgil was also made to give up his part in, the, in that. So Yes. In yeah.
0: Polydor Virgil's episode, it was Polydor that screwed up everything for Castellese. But it, this makes it more sound like he was part of the problem. As
1: if, as if they were in it together. Yeah. It might have been that they were, they were writing backwards and forwards to each other. and Some of the letters got caught yeah. Maybe I'm not sure
0: because it nothing that I read for Polydor Virgil ever laid anything at Castelazzi's feet. It was entirely Polydor Virgil did this, and Castellese was brought into it all of a sudden. Whoops! You lost your position because I screwed up.
1: Well, yeah, maybe maybe the critic maybe the letters were coming from Polydor to to Castellese and but he didn't write back saying, "Oh, how dare you talk like that about the Pope?" When <laughs> he should have done, yeah. Perhaps he just said, "Mm, whatever point. Mm. But anyway, he wasn't completely destitute because he still had the revenue from Bath and Wells as well as some of the other little jobs he was only sort of doing. (laughs) Castellese then sought sanctuary with Maximilian. Oh. (laughs) The thing I said, it said who sent him back to Rome, which makes it sound as if he just got in the door and said, right, you're going straight back I don't (laughs) want
0: to talk to you. I don't want to see you. You are not here. he
1: He had a job for him. Oh. Oh. Yes. Because Maximilian, in his usual humble way, was hoping to become Pope Emperor. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Did it involve the King of Denmark? (laughs) King of ships.
1: (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Oh, you do get the impression that Maximilian lives in this lovely little Maximilian world. (laughs) And it's almost all fantasy, every bit of it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, Castellazzi was sent back to Rome to, to make it not fantasy, make it fact, but nothing came of it. So, I wonder
0: if Maximilian's like one of those people. You know, you've met those people that they're really, really angry at somebody, and in their head they have the argument with that person, and all of a sudden hmm. they're okay with that person again, even though they never actually spoke to them. That's kind of the way I see Maximilian. Like, this actually happened. No, it didn't. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. And I'm not sure who you talk to about becoming Pope Emperor. You're not going to talk to the Pope, are you? No. So I'm not sure who he was sending Castellese back to talk to. Just he probably said, go back to Rome and make me Pope Emperor. Oh, all right, then. What? <laughs> is, is that a thing?
0: Just that I can just see him sitting there with this color draining out of his face. I've got to go back there and now tell the Pope that he can't be Pope. And that a person who has absolutely no religious vocation whatsoever <laughs> is going to be Pope. <laughs> <laughs> just the sweat starts going. <laughs>
1: Luckily, for him, Pope Julius died in 1513. Oh, phew, I dodged that bullet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so a conclave was convened.
0: Did he try to get Maximilian <laughs> as the Pope during that conclave?
1: Hey, hey, Maximilian. Okay, well, unless he was going under the name of Cardinal Bainbridge, no. Because oh. that's, who, that's who Castellese voted for in a secret ballot, which can't have been that secret since we know about it. They
0: were not secret in any way, shape or form.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Gigli did some amphibolizing, (laughs) and Castellese changed his allegiance to Cardinal Giovanni de Medici. Oh, Medici! Which was just as well since he became Leo X, and therefore looked favorably on Castellese. And we haven't done Leo X yet, but I would think having him look favorably on you is a far safer place to be. Yes, yes.
0: You do not want to be on the wrong side of the Pope. Not that Pope, especially when you are a priest. <laughs> no. In any level,
1: don't tick off the Pope. Castelazzi was back as papal collector. Oh, Peter Spence. And he was given back his palace, which really? lost, he lost. Which he had lost under Julius. So oh. he was. His was quite foresighted. When yes. somebody said, "Get rid of that thing, otherwise you're going to lose it forever." So he put himself well, I was gonna say he put himself in Henry's good books and you know, managed to get his his palace back, but he didn't really put himself in Henry's good books. Not if Henry's <laughs> Henry ratting him out him straight in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were a funny lot, weren't they? In fifteen fourteen Castellese and Polydor Virgil both sought the red hat for Woolsey. But Giggly somehow managed to get hold of Castellese's correspondence to Virgil. Uh oh, And he handed it over to Woolsey. Oh, yes. So it was giggly all along. Oh, no. And it turned out, as we heard before, that they didn't didn't think much of Woolsey. And Uh. they were not pushing for his cardinalship. No, they were not. I was going to say as much as he thought, but at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were doing the opposite.
1: Don't give him a cardinalship. Mm. Guy's a shyster. Well, Virgil, as we heard, ended up spending some time in the Tower. Yes. Although Castellese managed to secure his release with the help of money from Pope Leo, but not until 1516, so we're talking two years later. Yes. And you don't want to be in the Tower at all, but you don't want to be in it for two years.
0: No, but he, again, he wasn't in a dungeon. He was in the paid-for hmm. apartments.
1: Yeah. But still, you're in the Tower. Things happen to people in the Tower as well, even when they were in the posh bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Despite all this help from Pope Leo, Castellese, convinced by a prophecy that Leo would die young and be replaced by an old man called Adrian, joined the Petrucci Conspiracy, which was trying to make the dying young bit a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hmm. So... How? Well, by assassinating the Pope. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it! <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they caught it early and it was quashed. And many were executed. Castellese was put under house arrest following a public confession. So he was quite lucky, especially at that wacky Great Palace. I mean, house arrest can't have been that onerous, no. can it? Especially since it's his palace. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, I get to stay home for a while. Ooh, where are the books? <laughs> sounds good to me. That sounds wonderful <laughs> to me, too. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Would you hate
1: prison? Not if I had enough books. <laughs> no. He was in trouble all over the place because Leo was understandably miffed to Rome. Yes. He had tried to have him assassinated, after all. (laughs) Wolsey was turning Henry VIII against him back in England. He hadn't managed to make Maximilian the Pope Emperor, (laughs) the Emperor Emperor Pope, or whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) So Castellese did what he always did, and he fled to Venice. Hello. And now (laughs) he was deprived of his Bath and Wells job, which went to... Woolsey. Woolsey! Surprise, yes.
0: surprise. Mr Woolsey got it.
1: <laughs> Castellese stayed in Venice and very sensibly would not be coaxed out. He'd been coaxed out before and didn't, didn't like it very much. No. However, Leo died in 1521 and Castellasi immediately set off for Rome, where just a month later he too died. And it's thought that he was poisoned by one of his servants. And I tried to find out more information about that. And there just wasn't any information to find. Huh. Frustratingly, apart from the fact that virtually everyone in Rome was poisoned, weren't they? Uh, Unless yes. they were stabbed and shoved, shoved in a river.
0: <laughs> Multiple times.
1: Or yes. beaten to death by their husband. But Castellosi's life is a lesson in what happens to you if you rely on people to give you anything. Because they can take it away again. Yes. But with certain jobs, that was the only way to get it, wasn't it? Yes. And that is the story of Adriano Castellesi.
0: You started so Which well. Which is fun to It say. was a beautiful climb, and then a pretty rocky plummet. <laughs> yes, and Castellesi is fun to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, but I mean, he killed a pope, and he, he tried did. to kill another. I mean that's quite a quite a CV. Yeah, or you resume. are definitely
0: going to hell. No purgatory for you, Monsieur. <laughs> you are toast. <laughs> I mean,
1: he didn't mean to kill the first pope, or did he?
0: I'm going to guess he did.
1: <laughs> you think he did? Because he, did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of our episode on Adriano Castellesi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, join us for next length episode on somebody soon (laughs) we don't know
0: when we're putting these out yet
1: goodbye goodbye